Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. I ain't gonna lie, like after first service, I a little bit felt like I emptied the tank, so I need y'all to pray for me because I'm coming, I'm coming hard today, all right? Because this live love, and this is the, this has been 14 years since we stepped out in faith, and I packed up the biggest U-Haul you could find with nothing but a dream and some cornflakes in my hand. That was it. Cornflakes? What the? Thank you for was going to clap back there. Appreciate you too. Yes, awesome. Uh, man. I just can't get over that. So we almost didn't do that song. That holy, holy, holy. Kind of takes me back. I didn't grow up in a church like this. Anybody else not grow up in a church like this? <laughs> you know, it's a little bit different. A little bit, little bit different. Whole lot different. This, this isn't what I was, this is not what I grew up in. And, and, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, you know, like th- this isn't the only way to do church. We, we in no way think that we've kind of cornered the market and somehow that God doesn't move in places that don't look like this. God moves where he wants to move. He is God. Come on, somebody. He inhabits the praises of his people. He is not confined to buildings built by human hands. But a few years ago, God just put something on my heart to, to start a church. And so every year, we lean back into the things that he wrote on my heart that would be the, at the core of who this church would be. Not, and nothing that we're going to lean into over the next few weeks makes us any, any better than any other church on the planet. But this is uniquely who God designed us to be. To be and, and, and we just believe that we have to stay true to that. And when we do, that it will resonate with a group of people. And who we don't reach, I hope the other churches in this community reach. And people say there's just too many churches. There can never too many, be too many churches because there's too many lost people. I had a friend of mine tell me one time, if the house was on fire, bring all the trucks you can find. I thought that was pretty good, Pastor Dan. I thought that was pretty, that was pretty good. But here's the reality. Over the years, there's been moments that have threatened to pull us away from who God called us to be. And you know, you know what I know to be universally true? That many things start strong, but very few finish well. Have, have you ever figured that out in your life? That many things start strong, but very few finish well. It's just a reality. That any, anything can get off the ground, but to be sustained, to last, to continue to do what it was meant to do. Anybody can start a diet. Very few can lose a whole lot of weight. A lot of people can have a wedding. Seems like very few can have a lasting marriage. Like many things start strong, but very few finish well. And y'all, we started, we started strong. We're not supposed to be here. We're not supposed to have a church like this in Randleman. We're not supposed to have made it. We moved up here with no money, no resources, no people, with nothing but just a dream of an expression of church that actually would resonate with people, that they would throw aside the confines of religion and all the things that were keeping them from stepping towards Jesus and be a church that actually helped people know him, love him, walk with him in real powerful intimacy. That's who we were supposed to be. But we are not done. 
And I don't want us to start really strong, but not finish well. I believe that there are still things ahead of us that God wants us to do, that God wants to do in and through this church, in this community, for the glory of his name and the good of his kingdom. Many things can start strong, but very few finish well. And I want to continue to serve and honor him with everything that we do. But here's the reality. The further you get from when something started, the easier it is to drift from why it began. And that's at the core of why many things start strong, but very few finish well. Because the further you get from when something started, the easier it is to drift from why it began. See, in the beginning, you're, you, you know why you're there. You know why you exist. But over time, things begin to grow and things begin to get complicated and stuff begins to get more difficult and the church begins to grow and more people means a lot more opinions. And so constantly there's all these threats to cause you. you know, drifting is natural. Remaining requires intention. Did you get that? Drifting is natural. It's just natural to drift. In every area of life, it's natural for you and your spouse just to drift apart if you don't work hard at staying close together. It's natural just to get into the habit of going through the motions and forgetting why you're there. But look at me. If you lose your why, you will lose your way. If you lose your why, you'll lose your way. And so many churches, the reason why they're not doing all the things that God intended them to do. Somewhere along the way, they let something or somebody rob them of their why. And in your life, look at this is true in church, in business, in everything in your life, you will have somebody else wanting to tell you why you need to do what you're about to do. You will constantly have to ward off hijackers of your why. It's true in every area of life. If you own a business, your customers are going to try to rob you of your why. And if you give the why to every single customer, you're going to have so many whys that you don't even know what you're doing. If you forget your why, you'll lose your way. And so every single year we do this series. We bring it back. We lean back into who we are. That who we were when we were just 12 people in my living room in my house on Greentown Road. The who we are when we were about 20 people at this little amphitheater in, in Southern Guilford Middle School when we couldn't afford anything, so we had to go around classrooms robbing ficus trees just to make it look pretty. <laughs> to the time when God called us from being this urban church in Greensboro that I was convinced we would be to come to Randall in God's country. <laughs> Amen. from a high school auditorium to a middle school gym to what used to be a grocery store, that so much has changed. So much has changed. But some things have and will always remain the same. And my number one job as the lead pastor of this church is not to preach sermons. My number one job isn't even to make sure that our teams have all the money they need to do this. My number one job is to keep us from drifting from our why. Because at every turn, at every turn, we tend to drift. And if we forget our why, we will lose our way and we will stop being for God and in this community all that he has designed and desires us to be. So yes, every single year for about 9, 10, 12 weeks, we bring it back. 
And in the season that we're in with all that's happening in the world, we're even more, we're pulled in every single direction. And God's saying, no, you have to remain. And we think that this tendency for the church to drift from its mission is somehow something new or fairly new or something that happened somewhere in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. Like we want to hang it on one generation because we want ourselves to be off the hook. And let me just say, if we get so in love with the way that we do church now and 20 years from now, we're going to be the very people we despised before we got here. But this ain't new. This isn't new. See, just a few decades into this thing we know of as the church, after Jesus ascended into heaven, after he had commissioned the disciples, after the day of Pentecost had happened, after all the things happened in the book of Acts, just a few decades later, Jesus had been observing all that had been happening in his church. And he saw things he could celebrate and things that caused him to be concerned. And the good news is, he let us know what it was. And the person he chose to tell is the person that we should think he chose. His good friend, John. John the disciple. Jesus came to him and he gave him a revelation. And in that revelation, he said, there's some things that I see now and there's some things that are going to happen when... So John, I need you to write these things down. So this year, we kick off Live Love in the book of Revelation. Grab it, go to your Bible, go to the book of Revelation. And I know, I say Revelation, all y'all think is about is, is really bad Kirk Cameron movies. But Revelation is so much more than just end times. We have boxed it into that idea of this is only like eschatology, this is only studying end times, this is only about prophecy, and man, y'all leaning into some weird stuff right now, I'm just saying. But a good portion of this book, especially in the beginning, is Jesus looking at John and saying, John, I've been paying attention to what's happening in the church, and I want, you to, I want you to write down some stuff that I'm seeing. And what Jesus sees that concerns him then, I think, is the very things that we can see or we have to at least watch out for now. If we're going to still be the church, the church, that Jesus intended, look at me, to be the vehicle this is the vehicle, y'all, that God decided to take his message of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ to the world, and it will endure. There will never be a pandemic that can stop his church. The only time the church will end is when Jesus decides to come back and do the rest of his work, and then, then and only then. The church will endure. Come on. The church will endure. The church will... I scared somebody on the front row. I'm sorry. The church will endure. The church will endure. So stop, don't ever give up on it and don't ever count it out. The church will endure. But we have to pay attention to the warning signs that there's things that Jesus has, has tried to relay to us. I don't think it was just for these churches. I think it's for every church. I think the word of God is enduring and eternal and there's things that he's trying to help us to lean into. And so while on the Isle of Patmos, Jesus visits John and says, hey, John, write this stuff down. He says, tell these churches these things. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. He says, hey, church, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. 
that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. I have found them faults. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Jesus is always paying attention to his church, y'all. He's always watching. The champion of heaven is paying attention to his people and his kingdom here on earth. He said, I'm watching you. I see all the hard work that you're doing. I see all those nights at set up every single Friday when you are sweating because they forgot to turn the air on and then a wind thing comes through and the pipe and drape falls over and they forget to open. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. We're gonna go back to the middle school just to make y'all set up one time, one weekend. He said, I see everything you're doing. All the hard work. I'm watching every time you serving kids and you have to deal with somebody else's kids. I'm watching when you hold that door and people just walk by and you think it's insignificant. I'm watching you when you're investing in these students and you don't think they're getting it, but they really are. I'm watching. I'm watching everything. I see all the hard work that you're doing. Yet, verse four, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. He says, I see all your hard work, but here's the problem. At some point along the way, you lost your love for what you do. See, I think sometimes maybe you heard a preacher preach this, you've fallen out of love with your first love. Now, Jesus is saying, you know what? I saw when, when you first started this, You were so passionate, and you did all that you did. All this hard work was not driven out of duty or obedience out of obligation. You were led by love. But somewhere along the way, you didn't stop working hard. You didn't stop sacrificing. You didn't stop doing what you're doing. You just started doing it for the wrong reasons. And that breaks my heart. And it's so easy, church, look at me, to fall into that trap, to get so convinced That as long as we're working hard, as long as what we're doing is good, that's all that matters. And Jesus is like, no, from the onset, I've been really concerned, not just about what you do, but why you're doing it. And it's really easy just to start making decisions as a church to make sure we have enough money to come in to keep the lights on and our staff paid. It's so easy to keep working hard because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. It's so easy just to keep working hard so we can keep counting many numbers. It's so easy to keep working hard so I can give our staff enough resources to do all the things that you wanna do. And she's like, no, remember why you do this out of love for me and love for other people. And if your motivation ever becomes anything other than that, I'm not pleased. I'm not pleased. Like, it's awesome that you're working hard but you all, look at me. It's awesome that you're working hard, but you also need to love well. And work hard without love well is not the position of the church. And sometimes I wonder, after 14 years, are we doing all the right, all the right things for all the wrong reasons? And the one thing you can never hide from God is the motivation of your heart. And it matters to Him. Y'all with me? It matters to Him. Jesus continues to address the church. Revelation chapter two, drop down to verse nine. He says, hey church, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you're rich. 
I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. He says, church, I'm watching, and I know that it's hard. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're facing things that you didn't expect, and I know that it's weighing heavy on you, but keep going. It reminded me that, I don't mean this to depress you, but I'm going to be honest, right? It never gets any easier. And see, some of us, were waiting for it to get easier. And then, and then we, we think, we long for the times when we thought it was hard. <laughs> it's like, I cannot wait till I don't have to change another diaper. Now, I'm going to kill this teenager. Come on, somebody. Like, you, you pray to get out of that season and get into the next season, then you ask God to take you back to the season you wanted out of in the beginning. I remember praying that, God, I cannot wait till we don't have to set up. I cannot wait till we can hire more staff. I cannot wait till we can get this place. And now I'm like, God, I want to trade these problems for those, okay? I figured out in God's economy, the next season, look at me, always costs you more than the one before. That the further you go with God, the more costly it will always be. What it costs you now is greater than what it cost you then. And what it cost you when is greater than what it'll cost you now. And if you don't learn to wrap your mind around that, eventually it will break you and you will quit. But I've also learned that the joy gets better as well if you'll look for it. That the beauty is just as bright, if not brighter, in every season if you'll find it. That, that this, and I think God's always trying to, the suffering that you're experiencing will be worth it on the other side. The suffering you're experiencing now will be worth it on the other side. And the problem is so many never get to the other side because they jump out of the boat in the middle of the lake. The one thing that you can do to guarantee that the blessing will come is stay in the doggone boat. He says, I see your suffering, I see it, I know it's there, but keep pressing on. Then he says, verse 13 in chapter 2, hey church, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Like I know where you live and the time in which you live and the culture in which you live, like Satan seems to be ruling the day. Told y'all, ain't nothing new. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who has put to death, who has put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I hold a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and they committed sexual immorality. Hey, church, verse 19, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, that you are now doing more than you did at first. 
Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Hey, church, I'm watching, and I love that you're doing so much. It's amazing that the further you've gone along, the more good deeds that you've done, that you continue to serve and make a difference. But I got a problem. You keep tolerating sin. Yeah, it's amazing that you're doing all this work. It's amazing that you're, you're serving the community. It's amazing that every single year, Vintage, you do Thanksgiving meals and you provide a meal to, to thousands of families all in our community. It's amazing that from time to time, almost on a monthly basis, you pay somebody's rent. It's amazing that you serve the teachers in the communities in our schools. But if you think that any amount of hard work can compensate for the compromise of Scripture, you're wrong. You're wrong. He says, it's amazing you're doing all this, but yet you continue to accept some version of sexuality that's being taught in your community and not speaking against it. You need to be doing both. Like it's great that no, but no amount of good deeds can overcome an unwillingness to tell people the hard things that this word has to say. And we can never get caught up thinking that all the good we do somehow gives us an excuse not to teach the truth of God's word, even when it's uncomfortable. I'm watching church, I'm paying attention, and there's things that I love, there's things that I'm seeing that I celebrate, but there's things that are breaking my heart that I don't and I can't tolerate. Revelation 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and what is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, that you have what you have received. Hold to it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. He says, hey, church, wake up. He said, I know you have this reputation of being alive, but what they see is different than what I know. Like you have this reputation of being alive. From the outside looking in, it seems like y'all are great. Like y'all are doing all these amazing things. But I see what's in the heart of the people in that place. I know what's really happening. And even though you put on a good show, and even though there's all this loud music that comes from that place, the people's hearts inside are dead. We can never find ourselves in that position where this room is full, yet our hearts are empty. Where this room is full, yet our hearts are empty. He says, you can have a lot of signs of life without really being alive. That it's easy to fill a room. But we didn't come here to fill a room. We came here to fill up heaven. <laughs> and that doesn't happen because you came to church. That happened because you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He says, I'm paying attention. And I see things that concern me. Chapter three, verse eight. Hey church, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have just a little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. 
I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He says, hey, church, I opened the door, and when I open the door, I'm the only one that can close it. That when I open the door for you to come to Randleman, until I'm done with you, it will not be closed. A pandemic won't close it. Culture won't close it. A lack of resources won't close it. I have opened the door. And once God, look at me, once God opens the door, ain't nothing on this earth or under the earth or above the earth that can close it but him. But him. He says, I've opened the door. And when God opened this door to here, we didn't know what it was going to be like. We just said, okay, God. No matter how difficult it gets, we have to trust that until he closes it, there's still work for all of us to do. And I know there's been, you don't know, I know. There's been seasons in the last year. I keep looking, is this thing still open? I don't know anymore because it feels like it's closed. You ever been that place in your life where you can't have it? Yeah, okay, still open, all right. Because it don't feel like it sometimes. Because sometimes you walk through the door and you've been walking for so long, every now you have to look back and okay, yeah, we're still good. God's still here. God still wants to use us. Because the enemy will want you to forget. And he'll even try to convince you that the door opened, God is closed, so you'll keep walking, you'll stop walking through it. Hey, church, I'm paying attention. I'm watching. I'm seeing everything that's happening. He says, hold on to what you have. He said, I... I know you have just a little strength. Sometimes you feel like what you're holding is just too small and insignificant. But when what you hold has been given to you by God, what you hold is more than enough. If he gave it to you, it's plenty. <laughs> because what he gives you is never insignificant. It may seem insignificant to other people, but if all you're holding is what God has given you, then you hold all you need. You hold all you need. Finally, verse 15. Hey, church, I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And you say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me like, look to me, come to me, gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hey, church. 
that you can't get complacent. Comfortable and complacent are two places the church can never afford to land. And I know we live in a culture that's all about comfort. Jasmine talked about it last week, that we have made comfort our ultimate goal. But look at me. If comfort is your goal, then our calling is not your aim. If comfort is your goal, then our calling is not your aim. I just want to be comfortable. I want to come in there. I want the volume to be comfortable. I want the air to be comfortable. I want the seat to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. And the church has gotten really good at trying to make everybody comfortable when we have a God that says following him will be anything but. The church has always had to resist the drift. It didn't start with us. It didn't start with our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents. Jesus, just a few decades into this thing, was watching from heaven, and he saw things happen in the church that was not good. And church, if we're not careful, we'll fall victim of these as well. That's why we do this. That's why we do this every year. So that we can be what God intended his church to be. The further you get from when something began, the easier it is to drift from why it started. And that's not just true. You know why that's true about the church? Because it's true about us. It's like the longer we walk with Jesus, the more comfortable we get and the less we begin to pray and, the, and we get cynical and our experience warps us. We, st- you know, we stop praying the bold prayers that we prayed when we were five years old and we actually believed God could do anything. We stop being grateful for the grace that saved us and bought us out of a wretched life and we start judging everybody in their sin instead of telling them about Jesus so that he can rescue them. See, the longer that you've gotten from your salvation experience, probably the easier it is to drift. And you know what? You don't just set this and forget it. You gotta keep coming back to it. You get to walk with the creator of the universe. You get to live in relationship with God. Jesus, the only son of the most high God, bought you back so that you could walk in hope. So I don't care if there's a pandemic. I don't care if all these things are happening. Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy and steal your why. You have a purpose. You have a calling. And when collectively we do it together, we change the world. We're going to follow our why. you got to remember yours. <laughs> yeah, you weren't put on this planet just to be their mom or their dad or their employee or their neighbor or their son or their daughter. You were put on this planet to have a voice that will sing holy, holy, holy then, but sings a song right now that also glorifies God and brings people to him. Every generation prays for revival. Let's be the one that starts one. Why not us? Why not us? Or maybe it's already there. Maybe it's never stopped. We just haven't been paying attention. Stand on your feet with me. Jesus. Let this be different. Let this be more than just another series where we talk about all the nuts and bolts of our church. Let this be a, a moment where something sparks in us 
God, you just like you were watching the church at Ephesus and Sardis and Thyatira and all these different churches that were existing when you revealed to John your heart, your concerns for those churches. You've been watching all of us and now we've been handed the keys to the kingdom and it's our turn to represent you well in the community that you've put us and we wanna do just that. We wanna represent you well. God, you didn't create this church to give everybody a place to go on Sunday. You created this church to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. So set a fire in our hearts that we may never forget our why and lose our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.